This week's podcast brought to you by Dr. Siegel's Epistle. A few weeks ago, I forgot to mention this. You were in Brooklyn with our two older daughters. Uh, they attended a Liberty playoff game that you were that you were calling. And after the game, I was here home in Connecticut. Uh, our oldest daughter texted me and said, um, you know, we're just waiting for mom to make her way out of the arena. And then she sent me another text that a lady just came up to mom and said, uh, I love your podcast. And I replied, great. And then came a third text which said, uh, the lady just said, but your husband interrupts you too much. She's right. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Old Red Eyes is back. Old Blue Eyes is back was a Frank Sinatra album. The Beautiful South had a song, Old Red Eyes is back. And uh, you've been on so many Red Eyes in the last week probably since we last recorded a podcast you've been on four multiple cross-country well, flights right yeah, well i guess it de- depends too on how you define a red eye because at least how the airline defines it is you leave one day and you land a different day so can we count that as as a red eye even if it's like an east to west as a result of delays red eye i have the title for your forthcoming memoirs okay okay you, you you do a lot of flying cross-country mm-hmm. and eating in the nation's finer restaurants. Never when we're together. You and I were in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and had Vienna beef right. at a hot dog stand. But when you're with your work colleagues on an expense account, not with uh, the old ball and chain, as it were. We're not you, on you, an expense account. We're just pooling our per diem, pooling which would your, be a good chapter of a book as that well. That could be the title of your memories, pooling yeah. our per diem. But I was, I was going to, my suggestion was going to be, Ribeyes and red eyes. Oh, that's good, but none of us really eat meat. But 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 still, it's a it's catchy. You've been away so long that you no longer eat meat. Uh, well, no, I didn't, I didn't we, know that about no, you. When we're at a restaurant, we tend not to go to when. Well, for example, if we're in Seattle, we tend to go to a seafood place versus a, a steak place. But no, I do I I do eat um, red meat anyway. I think since the last podcast, I think I've been on four flights that would count as red eyes. And uh, it started, I was flying out to Vegas for game two of the WNBA semifinals. And I almost always fly Delta. But this time, um, this time the flight wasn't, wasn't ideal. So I was going to fly United through DC. So I'm on the plane from Hartford to DC. And when we're 15 minutes from landing, because that's a 45-minute flight, the captain says, uh, because of weather in the D.C. area, we may divert it and have to land in Norfolk, Virginia. Well, that would have been awful, because I'm sure there are fine people in Norfolk, but I can't imagine their airport has a lot of uh, easy flights to get me to Vegas. But as we're, we're still on the plane, he said, we, the, uh, the airport's closed, we are not going to Norfolk, though we're going. We're being diverted to Philadelphia. So I'm thinking, all right, Philly should have a, a decent amount of options for me. So while I'm in the air, 
I look on my app because I have Wi-Fi and see that American has a direct flight from Philly to Vegas, right? No problem. I go ahead and book that. We land. And uh, as we're sitting there, then the flight attendant said, um, not sure if we're going to let you off the plane. And I'm thinking, better let me off the plane. I've got a flight booked. And I don't know exactly what, what what's the plan here. Is this plane then going to go to D.C. when the airport opens? I'll then have missed my other flight. Anyway. You understand that some people were just going to D.C. Of course. Well, I feel... Uh, a lot less bad about my travel situation when I hear the guy sitting next to me call somebody and say, um, well, what are my options to get to Portland? I have to get to Portland by one o'clock tomorrow because that's the time for my mother's funeral. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm just trying to get to a basketball game. This, This gentleman is trying to get to his mother's funeral. And then as luck would have it, or not luck, but happenstance, one of the people diagonally in front of me says hello. His son is in our in our daughter's seventh grade class. So he and I start chatting, and he's trying to go to D.C. That he, so he can catch a flight to Germany, where he's supposed to go for work for a, uh, like a week. So anyway, uh, get off the plane, go sit at my gate to catch my direct flight from Philly to uh, Vegas. As I'm sitting there, content, all of a sudden, everybody in, in the gate area just stands up and is like in a frenzy. And I look at my app and look at my phone and see that flight's just been canceled, just canceled. Um, so what I did was I call ESPN's travel department. I go and I stand at the airport where all the screens are in front of me. And I say, as I'm trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to get to Vegas for the game the next day. And I'm ta- saying to the woman, I say, well, I, s- I see there's a flight to Salt Lake. Do I get on that? And then in the morning, I'll fly to Vegas. And she Did you like, say Salt Lake or Salt Lake? <laughs> Salt Lake. And, uh, and then she says, well, that one's already oversold. All right. What about this flight? So I'm standing there looking at the board. Finally, we uh, she puts me on a flight to Detroit and then, a d- and then Detroit into Vegas. And um, and I land in Vegas and get get to my hotel room, get into bed at 5 a.m. Eastern. And what kind of made me laugh about it is uh, I posted like a little Instagram story. And people who are on Instagram know that you can see who's seen your story. So I post on Instagram story and I see right away that Jennifer Rosati, the president of the Connecticut Sun, has seen, has seen it. And um, I'm thinking she's seen this because she's at Bradley Airport about to fly to Chicago. Like it's morning for her. She's up. It's still night for me, and I'm about to go to sleep. Um, and then I had some sort of issue you're, you're, when, when I was going to see. You're about to go to sleep in the perpetual noon of Las Vegas, where right. you can't tell what time it is. Is it dawn? Is it 2 right. a.m.? Right. Is it noon? Uh, there was no traffic, of course, at 1 something in the morning. It was, I think, a Tuesday night, maybe a Wednesday night, I think something like that. And... Uh, and my cab driver said, uh, oh, yeah, he said, if it was Thursday, it would be busy, or, or on the weekend, it gets busy. He said, but early in the week, it's not. So that was one red eye. So the next day, or actually that day, I call a game. It got on a red eye back home to Connecticut. So within less than 24 hours, I'm on two red eyes. So then it's time to go out to Seattle, and I get on a red eye again. I'm, I'm not waiting till the last flight of the of the night or anything, and um, through Detroit, and uh and that one gets delayed significantly. So I get re- rebooked on a flight through Atlanta. And if anybody's flown from Connecticut to Seattle, and I actually had you um, g- 
get the globe or a map out to show our, our daughter. Through Atlanta is not the best way to go. Like it's a three-hour flight to Atlanta and then five-and-a-half-hour flight from Atlanta to Seattle. Um, so I got to Seattle at, you know, 1 a.m. their time. So that would count as another red eye. And then when I came home from Seattle, so it was, I figured it was three red eyes in five days and then four red eyes in like a week. I mean, no one likes hearing somebody talk about all of their travel mishaps, but um, it's been a lot of uh, red eyeing for me. Now you, you'll you be heading to Las Vegas in a couple of days after we record this podcast. I understand you're being routed through Newfoundland on this right. one. Through. Who knows where I'm going to go through? Who knows? It was funny because I was talking to, to my WNBA boss yesterday and uh, I said, is it all right, you know, if I go in Saturday for the Sunday game? Because sometimes they want you in a couple days in advance. She said, that's fine. You know, just don't get on the last flight out. And I said, it's not the last flight out that's been the problem. It's the earlier flights that have been the problems. Those are the ones getting delayed and canceled. And then I end up on that last you, flight. You don't know which flight will be the last flight out. Of, of, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I flew to Paris uh, a few years ago to meet up with my extended family, take my dad to Normandy, and there were two identical flights leaving at 6.30 p.m. out of JFK, both on Delta, for for uh, Charles de Gaulle. And one of them left at 6.30 p.m., and the other, mine, left at 10.30 p.m. And They were both supposed to leave at 6.30 p.m. Yes, but when right? you're booking them, you don't, you don't know, right. other than the one that you book will likely be the one that is delayed right but you have to you have to succumb to the gods i had a guess that um that my direct flight from philly to vegas might get canceled because when i booked it i saw that the plane was only half probably half full and um the airlines don't like doesn't seem likely they like to waste pilots on half full flights i have an idea now for it i don't know if it's a podcast series a series of documentaries um uh, a multi-volume series of books but Take the great moments in sports, and one of them was that uh, that Seattle, Las Vegas game three. Yeah, game three, incredible. And and uh, so you have the date, the the name of the game, the participants. That's the chapter title, and then the the uh, the chapter itself makes no mention of the game, and only talks about the author's travel problems in getting to the game. Uh, Actually, so it'd be I, I, I would I, talk to people who in their journeys to get to the game. And um, I think we talked about this earlier this year with Sue Birds last year. So a lot of the games that we've done, we've met people who have come from all over the country, all over the world uh, to see or play. And I was actually in the elevator, the hotel elevator in Vegas, and a woman got on and she said, are you here for the game tonight? And I said, yeah. And she said, um, she said, I fly in. We fly in from Portland we're Vegas Aces fans. And I said, do you fly in for every game? She said, yeah, this is just our team. I have no idea what she does for a living, that she can fly from Portland to Vegas for all of their home games. But I found that super interesting because it's not like she's coming from Detroit or even uh, San Antonio, like where they the, that franchise used to be located. And then when we were in Seattle, and what's that? I was just saying my experience, casual acquaintances, old friends, whatever, if people are flying somewhere, they tend to be flying to Las Vegas. People are always flying to Las Vegas. Well, I know I'm not. Yeah. But it seems to be the 
destination of choice for people on vacation, for a weekend getaway, to move to permanently, to retire to. I also think there's a lot of inexpensive flights from places to tons Vegas. Tons of flights. But uh, not tons of flights, of course, from Hartford there. Right. But um, Because there's casino gambling in Connecticut. Right. Oh, yeah, true. Um, so then when, I was, when we were walking um, in Seattle, because the weather was absolutely spectacular while we were there, so we, we were going on walks. And I think it was the morning of the game. We were out on a long walk, and... Um, stopped and was talking to a woman who was from, I think she said Delaware. She was definitely from the East Coast, a couple. And they said, um, yeah, we came in just to, we wanted to see, watch Sue in one of her last games. And it was, it was game three. They got to see, I mean, what an incredible game to fly in for if you're going to come in for it. Game three was epic. There was um, nine points in the last 11 seconds. What was it? It was something. Uh, there were a few. The last three seconds, seven points in three seconds, something like that. It was absolutely crazy. It was like one of those bad movies where, okay, this is the, it's over. Roll credits. Oh no, this isn't the ending. There's a different ending. This is the ending. Oh no, there's actually a third ending. And, and the game was like that. There were, this, this must be the buzzer beater. This must be yes. down to two tenths of a second left. Now it must be over. Yes. Oh, no, it's not. It was, it was In a it good was incredible. way. But when you're talking about uh, Sue's last game, people coming from all over the world, um, the the and I think that was the second highest rated game, were you telling me? Ever. Second highest rated playoff game ever on ABC and the highest. It, it, it peaked at like 1.3 million viewers or something, which in the sports climate right now yeah. is, um, is, is incredible well, viewership. While I was laser focused on everything you had to say, um, I was also skimming, uh, scanning viewer mail for mm-hmm. this week. And so uh, we're not to viewer mail yet, but I want to read this one because it's, it's exactly what we're talking about here. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. I've always wanted to write and finally I'm doing it. I'm 38 years old, but if I, but if I can fangirl for a moment, I'm a lifelong Rebecca Lobo fan. Back when Rebecca was a sideline reporter, I got a photo with her after a long day of first and second round NCAA games in 2008 in Bridgeport. Texas played the first game that night and UConn the second. The photo is still in a frame on my wall and I tease that it's my most prized possession. If there was ever a fire in the house, I'll grab my Rebecca Lobo photo. Now, Rebecca, you, you have the same photo framed on your wall, right? I'm sure. I'm just hoping that if there's ever a fire in the house, one of my family members will grab a Rebecca Lobo and help yes, her get yes, out. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'll just grab a photo. But anyway, the real reason I write, uh, writes Melissa, is to share my excitement for the global reach of women's basketball. I, I live in Coventry, Connecticut, but I'm currently in Singapore for a work trip. He had a brief conversation with a local here who asked if I watched NBA. I told him no and asked if he had heard of WNBA. He quickly dropped the names Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi and said that Sue Bird is a game changer. He even went on to state that his top four players included the aforementioned players along with Becky Hammond and Tamika Catchings. It's been one of my main goals in the last year to promote women's sports the best I can and in particular spread the WNBA love as so many people I talk to in Connecticut still don't know that we even have a team here. In this instance, it felt so good to see women's basketball, and of course the players themselves garner the respect it deserves, and to see that it has reached across the globe to tiny Singapore. Here's to continuing to spread the love that is women's sports. Your fan, Melissa. Uh, thank you, Melissa. And uh, again, we'll do viewer mail later, but I thought that was so... Yeah, it's, it's perfect. This It was incredible. For Game 3... There's 15,000-plus fans at Climate Pledge Arena, which is the relatively new arena in Seattle. In the last at least 10 minutes, maybe longer, none of them were seated. Like WNBA crowds and women's college basketball crowds, um, even when there's a lot of them there, like don't tend to be standing for the last 10 or 15 minutes of a game. The, the environment 
um, was really cool. The only I wouldn't downside, I wouldn't be standing for the first ten minutes of a of a Beatles reunion concert at this point. <laughs> I know. I just like to sit. The only downside was um, where our our announce booth is. Like when everybody to the right side was standing, we couldn't see um, the players on the court, which normally is not a problem. You can look down on your monitor and call the game, but. But in WNBA, for reasons I won't get into, our monitor is delayed. And um, so you couldn't look at the monitor because it's a second later than the action that's actually happening. So Holly Road ta- taught us the uh, hack of looking up to up to the sky to the one of the jumbotrons if we can't see the action. Um, so what ended up happening instead of that um, was Ryan and I would just stand ourselves as well and felt bad for the people who might be behind us who couldn't see, but it was the only way for us to be able to see more than like half the court while we're calling the end of this incredible game. It's how people experience concerts, among other things. You're watching the Jumbotron so you can actually see the face of the person who's performing. This is in an arena or stadium. Right. Rather than the, and as I think we've talked about before, most people are are recording the Jumbotron on their phone at a concert. So right. they're experiencing the concert through their phone, through the Jumbotron, at a person who presumably is on the stage somewhere there. Yeah. That, that, that makes me think um, this weekend is Hall of Fame induction weekend in Springfield, Mass. Um, Lindsey Whalen's getting inducted, Swin Cash getting inducted, among others. And um, what makes me think of it is in 2017, when, when I was part of the weekend, I made it a point to not have my phone I wanted to experience everything with my eyes. And, uh, you know, y- you were there and took pictures or whatever, but every ev- every event I did not. I kept my phone in my pocket or wherever and just wanted to make sure I absorbed, you know, everything that was happening with my eyes and not just through the device. And, and the stuff you were experiencing is being recorded by others for reliving on YouTube yeah, some and of wherever. It. Some yeah. of it, but uh, not all of it. And, um, you know, because there are, there are you, it's many days full of a, a lot of things to do and uh, and all great. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know if this generation would be capable of that, if, if they would even consider it an experience if they didn't have documentation of it on their phone. But, uh, but it is a great way to experience I, I presume every Hall of Fame weekend ends as yours did with, uh, with a group of family and friends in an Irish bar in a casino. That's right. I forgot about that. At 2 that. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a blast. <laughs> with one of your friends, meaning one of my friends, uh, calling Bill Self to come down to the bar and join us and him politely declining over a couple of different overtures. I don't know if I remember that happening, but yeah, uh, but yeah that was a lot of fun. Well, we started this part of the podcast talking about red eyes, so I might as well button it up with one last red eye story. And this is flying home from Seattle. Again, there wasn't my coveted Delta flight that worked, so I'm on a United flight from Seattle through Washington. And um, get sit in my seat, and I know immediately that it's an older plane because in front of me is a screen but it has the credit card swipe. And uh, a lot of newer planes have the screen in front of you and you can watch movies, but none of them anymore have the credit card swipe. And I mentioned it to you and you reminded me of when they used to have the phone on the plane. You credit card swipe a phone for like a $35 90 second phone call that 
was nothing but static. I, I never made one, but I assume it wasn't real clear. I, th- I think I, I vaguely remember trying to make one um, one time because I think it might have been when I was training with the national team and we we were on the road all the time. And then we, we had this like short window where we could go home and my flight was delayed or something. And I remember calling the travel agent because that's when that you that's how you used to make flights and saying, you know, I'm going to miss my connection. And and so I think I used it one time. You were traveling with American Express Traveler's Checks also? Yeah, I may have been. Um, and in my brain, I was sitting in a middle seat in coach. I don't like in my memory. That could be completely inaccurate, but that's my memory of, of using that phone. So anyway, whatever. There's a screen. There's a credit card swipe. No problem. This was the problem. It's a red-eye flight. It's like 11.30 departure. They had to call you back. Uh-huh. They had to call you back? <laughs> no. No, I'm saying this flight. Okay. Oh, okay. This time. I thought, I, thought, I thought the phone was going to ring and you were going to have to answer it. No, no. This time. <laughs> How funny would that be? This time. All I want to do is sleep. Let's let's set the let's set the picture. You're no longer in the middle seat in coach. You're practically supine uh, on on a on a leather barge as as the flight attendant is topping up your tapenade of no, tuna tartare. Right? I told you this is an old plane. Well, it doesn't plane. even yes, yes, have. Yes, yes. I have been I have been upgraded. So, but it, it's an old plane with a screen and a credit card swiper. Right. And all I want to do is sleep because it's 11:30 at night, 2:30 a.m. My body clock. I close my eyes and I can still see the bright flashing from whatever's on the screen. It's just bright and it's flashing. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So I try with my blanket to cover my head, but then like, that's no good because I need air. If you had tape, could you have taped a piece of paper over the I screen? I thought about that because yeah. usually I travel with tape for, for work reasons. For, and I was like, oh, I don't have tape or I would have, I would have taken a like piece of tape and try to because you're doing you're doing painting while you're on the road or what's what? no just like i tape pieces of paper sure. to my board i don't want to get into it anyway my solution was to take my mask that was covering my mouth and i'm the only one probably on the entire plane wearing a mask and move it up and cover my eyes so <laughs> i slept that whole flight with my face mask pulled up, covering my eyes. Cause it was honestly the only way, cause, and I could have even, it would have been fine if there was just like a static, um, you know, glow coming from it, but from the monitor, but it wasn't, it was like blinking and, you know, just different things from whatever was on there. So uh, I can only imagine what I looked like to people walking by or the woman next to me as I, have my mouth face mask over my eyes. And strangely, from, from your last international flight airline amenity kit, you had an eye mask that you had over your mouth, right? <laughs> right. right, yeah. This was after your 11th mimosa. Yes. They did come by when we first got on the plane and said, uh, champagne or water? And I, uh, I went for the latter. Uh, shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes from, oh, who does it come from, Rebecca? It comes from Andy in Minnesota. I don't remember hearing from Andy before. Hello, Andy. You're about to hear from Andy. Andy says, writes, Dear Stephen and Rebecca, we have a few things in common. One, a Twin Cities man who has married a Connecticut woman. Oh, 
Th- these aren't, uh, this isn't a quiz. I think these are all a, a list of things, okay? Yeah. Two, worked at Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington. I was a sim security usher in 1978 and 79. Oh, we, there was, a, there were, tensions ran high, Rebecca, between the commissary workers and the sims security ushers. Would you have been there at the same time? Uh, uh, my brother Jim would have been there at the time, and I started, I started for the last Twins homestand of 79. My 13th birthday was at the end, end of September in 79. My birthday is coming up, as you know. And uh, though it had to have been an OSHA violation, on my 13th birthday, I was allowed to uh, work the last Twins homestand and then all the Vikings games of that year. So, yes. Three, my bride is a UConn graduate, though about 10 years before Rebecca. She grew up in Stanford. A few things we don't have in common. Well, Let, well, that's a, there's an interesting that. series of I mean, of the things we have in common yeah. already is I mean, uh, pretty uh, incredible. A, we live in Minnesota, not Connecticut. B, my wife is very athletic, but I have... Is that something we don't have in common? I guess. That's no, 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 no. I think, I think there's more. My wife is very athletic, but I have the recessive athletic gene. The Lord gave me a great love of sport, but very little natural ability to play. Wait a minute. Perhaps we do have that in common, writes, writes Andy. And C, You don't. You don't. Steve's, uh, Steve's athletic. And see what, what, what they also don't have, we also don't have in common is we listen to the Ball and Chain podcast. <laughs> and I don't know how Andy figured out that I don't, but uh, I, spot on. Uh, yes. And now on to my, uh, two of my more memorable celebrity encounters. That, that should have its own theme music, right? Celebrity encounters, right? Not celebrity counters. Right. Celebrity encounters. Encounter of the third th- kind. Of the third kind, yeah. Celebrity encounters of the third kind. Well, these are of the, f- of the two kinds because he says encounter the first. We were attending a Broadway show in the mid-1980s when we were leaving. Let me guess, Rebecca. I'm thinking it was Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. I'm guessing you're you're right. Yes. We were t- and, uh, and they were staying at the Milford Plaza, the Lullaby of Old Broadway. But I'm just guessing. We were attending a Broadway show in the mid 1980s when we were leaving. The crowd was closing in as we approached the exit doors. So I reached behind me, grabbed what I thought was my wife's hand, and said, "Stay close, honey." At that moment, I realized I was not holding onto my wife's hand, nor was I holding a female's hand. I looked up and realized I was holding the hands with Brent Musburger. <laughs> Come on, honey, or stay close, honey. Yes, an excellent, excellent celebrity celebrity encounter. Encounter the second. Okay, it is the day of Kirby Puckett's funeral. We are eating brunch at a popular eatery just down the street from where the funeral was happening. At some point, the restaurant received an influx of sports personalities in dark suits. Clearly, the funeral had ended. My eight-year-old son and my six-year-old nephew decide to head off to the bathroom, probably more out of boredom than need. After a while, I get the elbow from my bride, and I head into the bathroom to check on the two youngsters. To my surprise, when I enter the bathroom, there is one person standing at the urinal, and no young boys. I then hear giggling of the two youths coming out of one stall. Recognizing this immediately, I said to my son, Duncan, what are you doing? To which he replied, pooping. I then addressed my nephew, Jack, what are you doing in the stall? To which he replied, watching Duncan poop. (laughs) Logically, I replied, Jack, get out of the stall. Watching your cousin poop is not all that interesting. To which the guy standing at the urinal replied, you never know. It just might be. That person, Bob Costas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two uh, giants of sports casting. Oh, in, my gosh, in, uh, yes. Two of the biggest. Two close encounters of the, uh, of the two celebrity encounters of the third kind, I would say. And you use giants, not... Uh, not literally, in stature, no, no, no. Yeah, but in you know, in in in, in, in metaphorical accomplishment, stature. yes. 
I love the podcast. Andy in Minatrista, trying to be a completionist. I started listening during COVID-19, the pandemic, so I have some catching up to do. Thank you, Andy. That's that is a that's an all-timer viewer mail and, and celebrity encounter. Absolutely incredible. Uh, this next one comes from Joan. Joan writes, Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. Long time, no write, but I think my official title was Resident Casino Gal. I have been enjoying your podcast weekly since the beginning. I just love it. Thank you, Joan. On your most recent podcast, you told the story of how your second oldest daughter wanted to move into the oldest daughter's bedroom after she left for college. And I think we can say without fear of, of any of our children listening to this podcast, that has happened. Right, Rebecca? That has happened, yes. Rebecca, writes Joan, was concerned about how she handled the situation with daughter number one, thinking maybe she could have handled it better. Well, let me tell you a story of how my mother handled it when I left for college. I'm sure Rebecca will feel better after this. Let's hear it. As the oldest of six children, I was lucky enough to have my own bedroom in our five-bedroom house. When I left for college, I fully expected to have my room waiting for me when I returned. How smug of me. About a week before my freshman Thanksgiving, I was talking to my mother on the phone in the hallway of my dorm in 1980. I had taken the phone from my room and snaked the cord through the door, allowing me to sit in the hallway for, quote, privacy. Do you remember what that was like, Rebecca? I do, yes. Mom told me that I should look for a surprise in my room when I returned home in a few days. Needless to say, I was extremely excited and wondered if they bought me a new TV, a new stereo, maybe put a phone extension in my bedroom so I didn't have to hide in the dining room with the long phone cord pulled tight to get away from all the sibling ears listening to my extremely important conversations. Our move, Rebecca, was to take the uh, phone from the kitchen with a long coiled cord and go down the stairs to the basement. We would do that too, or, or on occasion, if it was really important, we would be allowed to go into my parents' room and use their extension. I got a ride home for Thanksgiving, writes uh, Joan, and was heartily greeted by my entire family when I walked in the door for Thanksgiving break. As thrilled as I was to see everyone, maybe even my siblings, I was more excited to go down the hall and see what my big surprise was. As soon as I could break away from the family, I approached my bedroom. As I got closer, I could see a new shag carpet, colored bright mustard yellow, that hadn't been there before. Wow, I thought to myself, I guess I'm getting a new carpet in my room. I wonder what other improvements they made for me. Mm. As I entered my room, I saw my Nana sitting on a new bed, and she was powdering her nose. Surprised to see her, I greeted her happily and asked how long she'd be staying. Obviously, she was here for Thanksgiving and maybe was using my room for the weekend. She replied that she lived here now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, and she got this room all to herself. So I turned around to my mother in shock and said, Well, where do I live now? And she said, That's the surprise. Since you live at college now, you get the downstairs family room to sleep in whenever you come home. Of course, the family room had no privacy, no doors, and no way to shield myself from the other five siblings. But yes, I did have a place to sleep. I really laughed out loud when Rebecca was talking about how she felt so bad about giving your oldest daughter's room up for the second sibling, and I thought maybe you'd enjoy this story. Final note, not only did Nana get my room for herself, she also got a new phone line with a new number installed, something I had always wanted. Just the final kick in the pants. Have a wonderful day. And that is uh, from Joan in Connecticut. Oh my gosh, Joan! Well, I do feel I do feel a little bit better. Even as you're even as you're sitting in the, in our basement uh, podcasting quote studio, eyeing the one wall for a Murphy bed. That's right. Ralph in Maryland writes. I wonder. Uh, hi, Restiva. I wonder if Lord swam in the Connecticut River, given the fact that she said she swam in the Potomac River at her D.C. concert. I have linked a local news report, and indeed he encloses a news report from D.C., uh, in which Lord 
claims that her concert to have swam in the Potomac. Two questions here, Rebecca. First of all, our daughter saw Lord playing at the Mohegan Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, would, would the Connecticut River be the, the nearest river for her to uh, swim in, or would that be the Thames? It would be um, the Thames River is right near uh, Mohegan Sun, so that would have been much closer. It, it drives me crazy because, of course, the, the of course. T-H-A-M-E-S is the Thames River in London, but is the Thames River here, and it's right near New London, right. and yet— but, Yeah, uh, it's, it's silly. It is silly. I, and, and my second question, Rebecca, would you ever swim in the Potomac? I mean, um, if you didn't have to, if you weren't uh, I'm not swimming. I'm opposed with, to swimming in the Potomac. Next time in D.C.? Do people go out on boats on the Potomac where it would make sense to, like, jump in and cool off? I just, uh, uh, swimming in the, it strikes me as like swimming in the Hudson River, or swimming in the East River in New York. Not something that I would, uh, you know, unless you were swimming away from Sully's right. aircraft. I mean, I've never done it, so I clearly have no desire to do it yet. <laughs> I'm just asking if you would. Okay. Finally, we get... Uh, DGS. Uh, Dr. Siegel, hello. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Siegel, congratulations on successfully sending off your oldest to college, although I do hope that somehow you will sort out the rooming situation when she's home for weekends or breaks. When our son went away to New Orleans, I missed him terribly, and as things turned out, I saw him around three times in the first few weeks of school. Twice, he came home for hurricane warnings, and we also met in Indianapolis for the U.S. Grand Prix in September of 2002 course it was for formula one rebecca of course simply put i was quite sad every time he left and i recall how lonely i felt when we flew back from indianapolis as we parted ways while changing planes in the cincinnati airport which as you know is in northern kentucky lots to cover today on labor day so let's get right to it shall we rebecca first of all um it's already been like a week and a half already been a week and a half and and we've um we've not seen our daughter no, but and I have to say, because today I walked into that room, which is now occupied by our second oldest, um, but it still smells like our oldest daughter because she had, would put on, you know, spray scents or whatever. But so the room still smells like her. When I walked in, it made me a little bit sad. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's weird because I was talking to another parent uh, who just sent his daughter off to college in the Midwest. And I said, have you talked to her? And he said, yeah, sure, we're texting. And I said, no, I'm texting and, and getting pictures and sending pictures, but I haven't actually spoken to her. And then that, that changed the other night when she FaceTimed. But uh, back when I was in college, you were in college, I would talk to my parents once a week on the one phone in the dorm room, and my dad would get off quickly. But, uh, but I was talking to them. Now we're in co- contact constantly or frequently, right. but it's all by text and, and uh, right. photo. But I feel like, you know, I've totally stepped back and let her initiate whatever. Oh, of so she, the, the first time she FaceTimed, I think it was, um, or texted, and I was on the road, she said, um, I know you wash the whites in the dark separately, but is it okay to dry them together? And then it was a conversation of uh, now. She um, FaceTimed which, me when she was in the yeah, laundry room about. Yeah. Which, which temperature do you wash the clothes at? And, and that sort of thing. So, um, because of course, uh, you know, you want them to be so busy having so much fun and living their new life that um, they don't have too much time to uh, to let their parents board. But them. the the modern marvels that we take for granted. Imagine sending when you were a freshman in college, sending your parents pictures of various things you were experiencing, or even it, no. The one thing she she did, would do or does, she'll be like. Um, 
what do you think of the fit or elevator fit? And she'll just take like a selfie and, and show me her outfit. So when she does that, just to horrify her, I'll, because it's, I've been on the road so much, I'll take a picture of myself in, in an elevator and say, what do you think of the, what do you think of the fit? And, uh, and so that's become our ridiculous, uh, uh nonsensical, uh, text exchanging. Not very often, not often enough, but I will do that to you sometimes. Sometimes you'll send a picture from the road, uh, or post a picture, or send a picture to the uh, family group chat of you on some uh, uh, waterfront restaurant, uh, uh, declining a ribeye, but with with various pieces of cutlery and glassware, cloth napkins, and 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 I will and and you know uh, sailboats gliding by in the background, and I will I will send back a picture of me on the couch covered in uh, Tostito crumbs with my glasses on cockeyed, uh, right. it, just as the the uh, the response, right? And I know it amuses you because you never respond. You never reply. So let's get back to Dr. Siegel's enumerated uh, observations yes. on Labor Day. One, no labor so far. Fingers crossed for a quiet night, and yet it was Labor Day. Two, Rebecca. It seems that you and Holly Rowe were both winning at life in Seattle. Holly's words while drinking and dining by the ocean. Well, speaking of that, Doc. I mean, how timely is this? Your impression is exactly what my impression was, Dr. Siegel. A lot of a lot of uh, oceanside dining, or sound side dining at Puget Sound. Am I right, Rebecca? You, you have a lot of. You d- you don't seem to dine anywhere that isn't in in uh, steps from, from a large body of water. I think this is. Um, it, I just follow Holly's lead on this, but I think it's a good lead to follow, especially when we're away and we're away from our families. And you know, for her, she had done a football game Saturday night and woken up super early Sunday morning to fly to Seattle to call the game. I had had my travel issues. The thought is, if we have to be away from our families, we might as as well enjoy the heck out of the experience when we're not working. So both nights, one, it was just with Holly. The other night, it was with Ryan, too. We went to, um, as I mentioned, the weather was spectacular. We went to good restaurants on the water. And uh, since we were all on East Coast time, I think the that that night we were eating our dinner at 4 p.m. But uh, bird special. Yes, exactly. A, a preview of coming attractions for our track-suited retirement. Yes. Three. Our family has two group chats: one with the children's spouses and one without. That allows the children to discuss their in-laws with us. That's actually ah, interesting. Diabolical and brilliant. Four. When you visited the Minnesota State Fair, did you see Princess K of the Milky Way? I haven't been to the State Fair in forever, but I believe if I were to go back, my first stop would be to visit Princess K of the Milky Way, the uh, the dairy queen, as it were, of Minnesota dairy farmers whose likeness is sculpted in butter. I know Dr. Siegel knows of Princess K of the Milky Way because the new newly appointed uh, butter sculptor at the State Fair was recently profiled in the New York Times, and I know he's an avid reader of the Times. Five, although I am Atlanta born and raised, I was unaware of the B-52 nickname for a bouffant hairdo. Perhaps this is because, along with Steve and many other viewers, I sail on the SS Clueless Husband, as mentioned in a prior podcast. I think, though, Dr. Siegel, your your interest in in French words, like bouffant, and uh, and anything to do with uh, the peach state, I, w- I would have thought that, that those interests would have... Uh, made you aware of B-52s and, and the Buffont connection. Six, I've somehow discovered a page on Instagram, which is fun, at Iconic Boat and Tote. Iconic Boat and Tote. Here, there are pictures of the very clever words embroidered on L.L. Bean tote bags. I think that the adult Russians and the podcast viewers will enjoy this bit of social media. 
I think I read about this recently, Rebecca, where, where you know, people get L.L. Bean tote bags mm-hmm. for the beach or whatever and have their children's names embroidered on them. Mm-hmm. I think I've read that L.L. Bean will actually embroider anything you want on those tote bags. Well, they should, right? Well, I mean, uh, within the bounds of taste. But I don't know that they were yeah, within the bounds within of, the taste, bounds but, but of an, taste. But anyway, um, iconic boat and tote. Seven, with today's postponed Mets game, the Braves are one game back in the NL East, and both teams are playing great baseball. The Braves are led by several solid veteran players and several young rookies, such as clutch-hitting outfielder Michael Harris, the second, 21 years old, second baseman Vaughn Grissom, also 21, and righty pitcher Spencer Strider, 23. Great name, by the way, Rebecca, Spencer Strider, yes. especially her pitcher. As well as, as well as others who have bolstered the team, injured infielder Ozzy Albies and all-star pitcher Mike Soroka may return soon to the roster. It's going to be, uh, this is me talking now, Rebecca, it's going to go down to the wire in the National League East, and I believe the Mets and Braves play each other in a final series at the end of the season. The loser will be in the wild card, so it's it's a fine uh, uh, margin of difference here, but... Uh, yeah, it'll be good. Eight, Formula One has been a hot mess. A, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull has won at Spa and at Zandvoort. Rebecca, Zandvoort, is that your favorite F1 circuit? Or do you prefer Spa? I, I like the way Zandvoort sounds better. And it's all but sewn up the Drivers' and Constructors' Championships with nine races to go. The circus, the circus goes to Monza in Italy for Ferrari's home race. B, Ferrari has a fast car and good drivers, but has made unforced errors in pit stops and strategy, as has been said Ferrari will Ferrari. C. Mercedes is Mercedes. I was supposed to pronounce it Mercedes, right, Rebecca? And the Scottish um, sounds right. Uh, uh, what's his name? Sean Connery. Sean How Connery. Am I? Yes. Mercedes is nearing the front of the field. Although Lewis Hamilton has commented that he won't miss the 2022 car. Should Lewis not win a race this season, it will be the first season since 2007 in which he's not won a race. D. The silly season of driver changes has been ripe with tomfoolery. Quadruple world champion Sebastian Vettel will retire this year, and double world champion Fernando Alonso, now 41 but as good as ever, will replace him at Aston Martin next season. Reigning F2 champion Oscar Piastri, who came up in the French Renault organization, has signed with McLaren for next year, replacing popular Australian driver Daniel Ricciardo, who has struggled at McLaren and may not have a seat next year. Apparently, by the way, Rebecca, if I may just interrupt, I had a physical this morning at at our GP's Mm -hmm. office, there was a single magazine in the mag. You know, th- it's customary to have you strip down to your undies and then sit there for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really just some kind of a fraternity hazing thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There was one magazine in the room. It was it was on the wall in the magazine rack. Mm-hmm. I had a book, so I wasn't looking. But it was uh, it was a um, Red Bull magazine, Red Bulletin, I believe it was called, with Max Verstappen on the cover. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, F1 is really uh, becoming mainstream, has become mainstream in the United States. There's talk of Frenchman Pierre Gasly moving from Alpha Tari, the Red Bull junior team, to Alpine next year, alongside his French countryman Esteban Ocon. Lastly, lastly, American IndyCar driver Colton Herta, I hope I pronounced that correctly, is rumored to replace Gasly at Alpine. Now, we're on to the ninth and penultimate uh, uh, point in uh, Dr. Siegel's uh, epistle. Who said you could talk about Doctor Siegel's epistle? Uh, the, the, the fourth, <laughs> the the, uh, the epistle of of Gary to the Ephesians. Nine. I I commend and apologize to the alert viewer whose name I can't remember due to listening to the podcast while on the elliptical for pointing out the lovely Scottish accent of Paul DeResta. Let's not forget fellow Scots David Coulthard, Alan McNish, 
and especially triple world champion Sir John, Sir John Young Stewart, all of whom speak beautifully, as did Sean Connery. I've pasted a link below with a short video from the opening of an episode of ABC's Wide World of Sports from 1974. That's Jackie Stewart in the blue Terrell, clad in his white helmet and with a tartan band, entering the tunnel in Monaco. Steve, I think that you'll enjoy the short video. I will watch that because my whole idea of auto, auto racing and, and sort of European uh, glamour more generally stems from Jackie Stewart on Wide World of Sports when I was a kid with a scarf and a helmet and a little... A toy sports car that to me was the height of sort of european sporting glamour and why mm-hmm. as an eight-year-old i had any notion of european sporting glamour i don't know but the only soccer we got was soccer made in germany on black and white on pbs so uh, this is all i had to hang my hat on sir jackie stewart 10 finally please enjoy the attached picture of mercedes mercedes driver george russell who apparently has received a fancy eyepiece from george and columbus all the best without proofreading Gary, uh, and, and here indeed is a, a photo of George Russell with, I mean, it looks like one of those, um, it looks like one of the, more, like something the Terminator, you know, used for a, for a monocle, bionic oh, eye kind yeah. of, and, and reminds me of, um, of our dog, uh, of our dog's robot eye, as the neighbor kid put it, the, um, and, and, and uh, Dr. Siegel has helpfully enclosed the intro to Wild World of Sports in 1974, the thrill of victory. And the agony of defeat. That's all we have, Rebecca. It's uh, we're going to bring this home in under forty-five minutes, I think. Yay! Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's our gift to the to the viewer, to the listener, to the viewer. We have enough. We have enough photo attachments that are sent to us on viewer mail that it really has become viewer mail. It's, I had uh, somebody hit me, Barb, hit me on um, Instagram to say. You know, after listening to your podcast, this was a couple podcasts ago, where you swore that you were going to post pictures of things. I think this was do. specific to the guy surfing on the bicycle, um, and that I hadn't. So um, I, I'm not going to promise anything, but I'll work on that. But thanks to Denny Gallagher. Oh, we were supposed to have a Denny update this week. We, we had promised that last week. We were supposed to have a Denny week. update. We, we, uh, we. Uh, that, okay. Once the WNBA finals are over, <laughs> things settle down a smidge. We'll um, we'll start living up to our promises, and we're going to send out uh, a swag bag to our 2018 March Madness winner. Exactly. So for Tom, who's Dick, moved three times since then, for Tom Dickhari, please play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane